0: All right. Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be here again. Excited as the babies are moving out of their out of the room. We'll go ahead and get started because I think last week I may have kept you a little bit long. I've been known to do that from time to time. So I'm gonna try to fix that eventually here. Maybe not this week, but maybe by in a couple of weeks, all right? <laughs> good morning, good morning. Ever just uh see someone and your heart gets full and uh you just know you're among friends and family. I just had that moment, too, of my former, I will call them youth group girls, but I would have called them babies are here uh, over from Spokane. So kind Katrina, it's good to see you. And Megan, so good to see you. Thanks for coming and bringing some moral support. It's so one of the neat things when, uh, when the Lord's allowed you to kind of go to different environments and different places for different times, and you get to spend sometimes just a season in someone's life, and, uh, and then you see the fruit even sometimes years later. And so those people that are in your life right now that maybe you haven't seen the fruit, that fruit's coming, so don't give up. Uh, this morning, uh, I'll give you a quick recap and catch you up. Uh, if you missed last week, uh, don't worry. They've invented this thing. It's amazing. It's called the interweb. And uh, uh, apparently they have these computation devices you can get on uh, to the interweb and you can hear the message uh, if you head over to uh, the church's website and uh, you can you can catch up and be right in the saddle with us. Um, uh, Quick update. I am almost a Washingtonian again. Uh, I officially changed my address at the bank yesterday, so I know that's a big step. Uh, (laughs) We moved about half of our stuff up uh, this week into the new place on Friday. Uh, Very special thank you to the fellows that came and turned out and helped me unload some boxes. That was amazing. I did not realize how many steps uh, from the street to my front door uh, there actually were when I rented this place. And so uh, your uh, muscles were very greatly appreciated And so we are halfway there. I head back uh, to Oregon this week. We'll grab the rest of our stuff, our furniture, all the heavy things, fellas. uh, And we'll be back on Tuesday. Tuesday is somewhere around 4 if you want to pitch in. And if you still haven't had a chance to go through my things and snoop and you want to do that, that's totally okay too. Uh, my wife's like, well, thanks, honey. But uh, <laughs> So that'll be Tuesday. And then we'll officially be Washingtonians again. Um, I was trying to figure out in Puyallup, are you a Puyalluponian? Do you do that? No, that's not a thing. Okay, I'll move on. <laughs> South Hillian? That's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so very excited to be here and, uh, and almost in the saddle all the way and just really looking forward to getting some time with you guys. The summer is still uh, in full effect, and so uh, let's do some barbecues. Let's get our families together. Would love uh, to do that with, uh, with you guys, and so very excited for that opportunity. I was thinking that last week, if you weren't here, we just talked about how when Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians, he was writing to people who he recognized were doing the same thing that he was doing. And because of that, there was a bond that was created. And we talked about what it meant to be co-laborers or co-workers and that we create kind of this family bond that we feel a certain way about our co-workers that we don't feel about customers. And, and that as we moved into this relationship of doing something in the kingdom that matters together, we become coworkers, and we become bonded, and, and we begin to accomplish something that matters. And then we talked about potential and how in every one of us, God has deposited a seed of potential, that, that there is something in us. And we talk, I don't know if you were here. We talked about Jesus cursing the fig tree and, uh, and how he was looking for potential and that in each and every one of us. And we ended by asking the question, what if? What if we stepped Out in faith and believe that God could do the things that He put in our hearts to do. And, and so I was thinking about that this week. And uh, as I was loading boxes and driving a big U-Haul truck and I was kind of praying, I was thinking, I was thinking about once we understand that there is potential, that God's deposited in us a seed, that there is something that can produce fruit in our lives for the kingdom of God. What are the things that can begin to cause us to maybe withdraw from achieving that? And how do we recognize how to overcome those things? And so this morning I want to talk with you guys about courage look at someone and say, courage, courage, right? I want to talk with you guys about courage. And, and I was thinking about courage. I was driving in the U-Haul truck. I was in traffic in Portland, and then I was in traffic in Olympia. And then there were wildfires on Friday and I was in traffic in Yom. And so I had some time to think about courage, right? I had some time to think about it. And so I was trying to remember a time that I could brag about having courage, that's really what I was doing, right? So I was trying to think of – You know, it, was, it took me a little while to get there. So, so I have an example of courage, and I, I want to see if you can connect my example. It was about five years ago, give or take, and I was sitting at a Starbucks – yeah, five years ago, last time I had some courage. No, five years ago, I was sitting at a Starbucks that's inside of a grocery store, a Safeway Starbucks, you know those kind of Starbucks – And I was sitting with two um, uh, young adult ladies, and they were talking with me about getting involved in our youth ministry, and uh, they were trying to have some courage and get involved. And we were talking about what that would mean and that commitment, and uh, we were having kind of that conversation. We're getting to know each other a little bit. And as I'm dialoguing with these two gals, uh, a commotion starts kind of happening off to the side, and I can hear something going on, but I'm having a conversation with somebody, and we're dialing in, and then I can hear what... What I can now describe as it's bottles kind of slamming on top of a counter at the Starbucks uh, window, and I can hear a voice begin to get elevated. So I stop, and I mean, now it has my full attention, and I look over, and there's a gentleman at the Starbucks and Safeway, and he's got a case of beer, and he's trying to buy it there at Starbucks. And the Starbucks girl is trying to explain to him that even though they're in Safeway, he has to actually go to the checkout line if he wants to buy beer, and that she can't sell him that there at the Starbucks. And he is not having it. He's getting upset. This is obviously not the first case of really he came in and bought that day. But, uh, but, but for whatever reason, he wanted, you know, he wanted to be able to purchase that, and she's trying to explain it. And he's getting more and more agitated with this poor gal at the line, and his voice is getting raised. And, and I, I, now I'm dialed in. I'm paying attention, and I'm hearing him say, you know, I waited in this bleepity-bleep line, and you're going to bleepity-bleep do this, and, and you can do it. So you just did it. And she's like, sir, I'm, I'm really sorry. And, you know, she, she's shrinking in, in this moment. And these two gals are sitting across from me looking at me like, well, and, and I'm like, I know, you know, that's really a bummer. Where is somebody? And I was like, oh, I'm the somebody. Okay, here we go. And so, so I pop up and, you know, puff out my chest and, uh, and you know, my mind's racing and I'm thinking, okay, how, how am I going to interact in this scenario? And so I, I walk over to the other side of the counter. And, uh, and this isn't my normal Starbucks. Usually if you go, does everybody have like a normal place that they And they know the people there. They know, I don't know this gal at all. I have no, like, this isn't my normal spot. I just met this other two gals here. And so so I kind of lean over the counter, and I'm like, hey, excuse me, miss. Do you, do you have a second? And, and she I like, you know, she is just getting berated, and the guy's like, you're going to give me a free drink. You're going to do this. You're going you're like, you're to do something for me because I waited in this line. And, uh, and so I interrupt that, and she looks over at me because I'm like, hey, excuse me. Do you have a second? And she looks over at me, and she's like, uh, yeah. I said, can you come here for a second? And, and she, it breaks the eye contact and the tirade, right? And she kind of walks over to me, and she's like, she's like yeah. And I said, hey, take a deep breath. Just stand here and talk to me until he leaves. And, and there's this moment of like calm that kind of like – at first she's like panicked, like what's happening, what's happening? Oh, okay. And I just said, hey, you don't have to be afraid. Just stand here until he leaves. And then he looks over at me, and there's this moment where he sizes me up. And I must have looked bigger in that moment, right, <laughs> than, than, than I normally do. And, uh, and, and he just, oh, and then he leaves, right? And that was kind of the end of the story, and she's, think, she's like, crying. And then we have this weird moment because I don't know her, and it's like, do you give her a hug? Do you fist bump? What do you do? Kind of nod. You want to play it off like that's not a big deal, but, you know, there's a big, you know. And so, <laughs> so anyways, that, that, that's kind of how that story resolved itself. I go back over to the table, landed those girls into the youth ministry to help out because they're like, this guy's heroic. And so, so it was awesome. <laughs> so. <laughs> But I was thinking about courage and what it takes to have courage. So how many of you have an have a example that comes to mind as I began to say that that uh, is like, you know, a time when you had a chance to step up and have courage? You can just kind of nod at me if you could think about that. Yeah. How many of you, if you were in that same scenario, think that you would have had the courage to step into watching someone maybe get berated and maybe speak up and say something? How many of you think you would have that kind of courage? How many of you would just not have messed with that at all? You're like, hmm, somebody else's problem. Some of the fellows were like, shh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. And so as I was driving up, uh, you know, I was stuck in traffic, and I was thinking about the stress, like, man, that's a great story about courage. Then all of a sudden, it was just like a ton of bricks. It, this weight hit me, and I thought, you know, I was so concerned because this moment, her physical safety was in danger. Her name, I know, I know her, her name, Svetlana. She's a very sweet gal, um, Ukrainian gal, just really awesome. I, I, you know, I never, it wasn't my normal haunt, so I didn't spend much more time with her than that. But here's what occurred to me, like a ton of breaks. When her physical needs were in danger, it seemed like I needed to step in and do something. You know what I never considered doing? Hey, you know, we're over here talking about my church. And you know what would be awesome? You should come and visit sometime. It never dawned on me or occurred to me that her spiritual destiny might be in as much jeopardy as her Physical jeopardy was in that moment. Hit me like a ton of bricks while I was driving. I was like, oh man, that's going to hurt to share, but you're going to have to share that. And I thought about it, and I was thinking, what is the thing? So those of you that just had guts, and you're like, I would definitely have said something. Let's give you a new scenario. You're sitting at Starbucks, and you see someone else sitting next to you there, and you're, you're just sitting there minding their own business, and all of a sudden, like a ton of bricks, it just hits you. I don't know if that person knows Jesus. I wonder if I should... Engage in a conversation with them. How many of you would have the courage in that desperate moment to step in and say something? All right. That's all I got. Jesus, thanks for that. No. <laughs> that's what hit me as I began to think about courage. That's what began to stir into my soul that there is a type of courage that's bigger than just the physical things of this world. That's more urgent than just the physical things of this world. And somewhere inside of us, the thing that fails isn't our desire it isn't our understanding that it's important but if i'm just really honest it's our courage to step into the moment it's courage that's a courage now here's the thing about courage is is i don't think anybody looks in the mirror in the morning and goes you know the thing you're missing mike besides your hair courage <laughs> right nobody does that No one says, man, Mike, I really hope you overcome your lack of courage today. God, help me with my lack of... We don't self-evaluate that way. We don't recognize that thing creeping up inside of us. No one just kind of leads with the issue that I'm really struggling with is just a lack of courage right? We'll, we'll look at other obstacles. We'll even be honest about other sins. You know, hey, you're just, you're being really irresponsible, Mike. Pull your stuff together. You know, whatever it is, you know, got to get that anger under control. Man, if you could just get that tongue, you know, wrapped, wrapped back into your mouth and not let that thing fly out of, you know, we'll look and be self-evaluative and honest about those things. But very self-courage is one of those things that just doesn't, in the mirror, we don't see a lack of it generally. Some of you maybe do, but I, I just, it's not a common thing. And so we don't talk about it that much because we don't see in the spiritual, the implications of that. What's crazy, though, is the scriptures do talk about it a lot. As I was looking through this, there's, I, I stopped counting it about 30 times in the scriptures where, where it tells us, hey, have courage, take courage, be courageous. Or that it honors someone who says that he was courageous, he had courage, he took courage. Time and time and time and time again throughout the scriptures, we are encouraged to be courageous, We are designed. Now, I didn't even go to the sides where it says don't fear and how many times it tells us to not be a slave to fear. And the thing is, it's easy to take that simply into the physical realm when we say, hey, someone's in danger and we need to step in and dive to the rescue. But it's difficult sometimes to take that into the eternal realm and say, you know what? This is not heaven and hell issue of eternal destiny for someone. And the thing that's keeping me from moving out of this place of security is courage. You with me, guys? Got a little quiet in here, so there's a, some, some eye contact broke, so I may have hit something. So we'll, we'll keep going. So I want to just, so you know I'm not making things up, I'm going to throw a couple of scriptures at you that just refer to courage and being courageous. Deuteronomy 31.6, God tells Moses, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. Okay, uh, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you're like a, I'm going to pick a scripture to get tattooed on my arm. That's a good one, if you've got big arms. Second um, Chronicles 32.7. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, because the king of Assyria has the vast army with him. For there is greater power with us. Then with him. Get into the New Testaments, 1 first, uh, first Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. If you've got smaller arms, that one will sit. Um, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope in which we boast. Christ becomes our house when we hold on to our courage. Wow, that's amazing. We can just go a whole place there. This one um, is going to be one of my least favorite passages in the whole Bible. And we could sit just here the whole time, but we won't. But I just want you to hear this because it rocks me. Revelation 21, eight. There's a list, a laundry list of things that uh, are, are recognized as just sin and distance from God. And in Revelation 21, eight. It says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Just hold on for a second there because I, I have a hard time with this. I don't know if you have a hard time with this, but I don't like that cowardly and murderer are in the same <laughs> category in the scriptures. I mean, you got murderer, sexually immoral, magic arts, idolaters, and it's sandwiched. The bread is cowards and liars. That's crazy to me. That rocks me. That tells me that somewhere in here, the scriptures are clear that, that that what God's deposited in us needs to be courageous. It needs to be courageous now the word cowardly right there it's important that we we recognize what that is the actual word um in in the greek is delos and it it implies dread but really what it implies is faithlessness and what is being cowardly or what is a lack of courage it's a lack it's when your faith fails he's saying when your faith breaks down when you don't believe that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, then what's left to fill that void but terror and fear that it's not going to work out? I was thinking about uh, – you can take that down. I was thinking about uh, – it just hurts my feelings as it's up there. Um, <laughs> thanks, Anita. Um I was thinking about the person who invited me to church. I'm going way, way back. I'm about eighth grade. It's the summer. I'm heading into eighth grade. And this gal in front of my mom, it's like, you know, the streetlights have come on. I got to come inside now. And I'm heading in and it's a, uh, it's a Tuesday night. And my, my friend, one of the girls that was out in the front yard, just hanging out and, you know, causing troubles with me was like, Hey, my church has a youth group and you should come. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. Right. And my mom goes, wait, there's a thing at a church that you can go do besides run around the neighborhood and just cause chaos? You're going to do that? I was like, seriously, mom? She's like, listen, you're going to go at least three times, and if you hate it after that, I won't force you to go. But you are going at least three times. That's what my mom did. She sent me to church three times. After that, Jesus took the wheel. There was, you know, some good-looking girls there. I married one of them, so it worked out. Um, (laughs) So it worked out. But I was thinking about – her name was Elaine. I was thinking about Elaine. And you know what I – I was thinking I was thinking about it as an eighth grade girl the amount of guts that it took for her to just throw out there because I know who I was, and I know what I was like, and she knew what I was like for her to just throw out to this little heathen. you know what you should do? you should just come check out my the amount of courage that it took to do that, and you know what else is true i don't hate her guts for that i'm not angry at her for that. How many of you are really, really upset at the person who invited you to come to church? Maybe as long as it wasn't today you can you can some of you are like seriously right we're not upset at that person we don't have so what is this irrational fear that we have that someone will hate our guts over that conversation i don't know what it is but i have not seen that happen in real life i don't have that so i was thinking about courage and uh and I, i wanted to just take you today to this is my this is my favorite story in the bible about courage this is the story that that pastor mike is pastor mike because god broke open my courage in light of this story. So if you have your Bibles, let's walk uh, together um, through, I'm going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to, uh, I'll start a little bit uh, before that and just recap for you, but chapter 14, and we're going to talk about Jesus walking on water today, okay? That's where we're going. Now, I got to tell you what's going on in this story because uh, there's so many just amazing elements and I don't want to just look at it in a vacuum but in the book of Matthew uh, beginning in the end of chapter 13 a couple things have happened one is Jesus has just been in his hometown and he was teaching and sharing and people are looking at him and they're like hey this is the carpenter's son like we saw you grow up we're not impressed And the scriptures say that he literally didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but there's always a heavier weight when it's like the people that you know are disappointed in you, right, that you're close to you. And I'm not sure that Jesus took the same way that I take, but I read that, and I'm just like, man, that is a bummer. Here he is for about two years now. He has been on the scene doing ministry, challenging authority. Miracles have been happening, and it's the first time to kind of come home and see the people who he's probably cared about his entire life, and their reaction to him is, yeah, you're just that carpenter's son guy. Get out of here. And he's like, peace, right? He's out. He's out. And so, so he leaves that moment, and then it says the very next thing that happens is he gets word. That his cousin, one of the people, persons who are closest to him in life, John the Baptist, has been murdered essentially for sport. That Herod has... Serve him up on a platter literally the, praise, the the phrase that we have served him up on a platter comes from this story of john the baptist literally being beheaded for the pleasure of an audience and his head coming in on a platter and jesus gets this word that one of the people who were closest to him throughout his life uh john the baptist has literally been murdered for sport so he leaves this moment of rejection from his closest family system growing up to the loss of a loved one. And I just want you to, I want you to feel that because I want you to get the tone of this. And I'm in Matthew chapter 14, I'm beginning at verse 13, and I'm just going to take us through the story and I'll interject as we go. And it says, when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I just want you to catch that. I love how human Jesus is, that he feels we, he can relate to us. He feels what we feel. And I don't know about you, but if I just was rejected by my family at home and my peers at home, and then the person that I'm as close with as anyone, my cousin, who is doing what I'm doing ministry-wise and making a difference, and I get the word that now it's happened, that, that he's been, his life's been taken from him, and, and, and I think removing himself to a solitary place is a pretty reasonable response. He says, I, I, I just, I, give me a second, guys. And here's Jesus. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Then look at the response of the crowd. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And so his, his uh, renown is growing to the place that, that people are hearing, oh, Jesus removed himself to a solitary place. He must want us all to go there. So the crowds are like, let's do it. And they go marching out to this place to, to get where Jesus is. And then look at verse 14. It says, when Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd. Now, I can imagine he was looking for a solitary place, and he found a large crowd. And I can imagine just being like, dude, get out of here, right? Leave me alone. I need a moment here. But that's not the reaction that Jesus has. He says he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Somewhere in there, we could just spend the whole time talking about in our dark moments Sometimes it's not about us. It's about our opportunity to serve and to use our gifts and to release compassion and break some, But that's, that's another spot. And then it says, as the evening approached, verse 15, the disciples came to him and said, hey, we're, we're in a remote place. It's already late. Send these crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they don't, they don't need to go away. Just you give them something to eat. And you guys know this story. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they asked. And he said, we'll bring them here. And he directed the people to sit down and he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and they were satisfied. And The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of bread pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men and more women and more children. Oh, heaven's breaking loose here. This is amazing. This incredible moment happens. Verse 22, Jesus is still looking for some alone time though, right? He's still looking to kind of decompress. It says, verse 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And then look at verse 23, he's been working towards this the whole time. It says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Jesus is just like, I need a moment here. Let me gather, right? Let me gather. And he gets into the presence of the Father. I love what Mike shared about just taking five minutes. Can, can I just get five minutes? Sometimes in the chaos of our day, of our time, of our week, of the pressure, of the emotional roller coaster that we're on, we just – can I just – I need five minutes. Give me five minutes. Let me pray. Let me, get, let me get my heart right. Let me get surrendered. Let me get into that place where me and the Father are aligned. Jesus is just taking – he's taking five minutes. It says, when evening came, he was there alone. Verse 24 – But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, and it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. It was during the fourth watch of the night. Now, this is between 3 and 6 in the morning, all right? So 3 o'clock in the morning, the disciples have gotten in the boat. Now, I always envision this boat as like a little tiny rowboat, but then you know there's 11, 12 disciples, I should say. There's 12 disciples in this boat. So I don't know a lot about boats because I grew up in the concrete paradise, but I imagine to get 12 guys on a boat, you're talking about a reasonable sized boat. And for this reasonably sized boat to be buffeted by the wind to the point where they are now terrified at three o'clock in the morning, I'm assuming that something pretty significant, a weather pattern that's pretty significant, a moment that's pretty significant is happening. Half- Happening because you got to figure. I mean, these guys all got to weigh at least a buck and a half, right? And that's there's some weight in this boat, and they're freaking out. And it says the wind was against it, it was the fourth watch of the night. And it says uh, then that Jesus went out to them, and he was walking on the lake. Just think about the number of miracles we just like ran through in just a very short amount of time. He is healing the sick, compassion uh, in this moment. He's feeding people like crazy. And now he's literally walking on the water. This is insane. Amazing. Our God is able. It says, when the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in what? In fear. I don't know about you, but at three o'clock in the morning, if I'm in a boat and it's already rocking, I'm already highly concerned about my situation. And if I look out on the water First of all, I'm thinking there's, you know, sharks, something's got to be out there, scary. But even scarier than a shark, here's this dude, and he's just like, here I come, right? He's just marching out on the water. At this point, I'm probably having the same reaction. I probably have an oar, and I'm just like, here it comes, like, whatever's happening, okay? So this is a pretty legitimate reason to be afraid. And here's Jesus, and it says, but immediately, I like he doesn't leave him hanging. He says, hey, take courage, it is I, don't. Be afraid. Now, I love the the King James version of this says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. That is an irrational request, Jesus. It's three to six in the morning. I'm on a boat. It's rocking like you wouldn't believe. The wind is against us and there is something coming at me in the water that has the form of a man and there's no boat underneath him. And you're like, hey, cheer up jesus are you kidding me are you serious he says take courage it is i don't be afraid and i love peter's response verse 28 lord if it's you peter replied tell me to come to you on the water now think about the profound courage it has to take to have that moment in the midst of all of that. Now, here's what I want. I, I, I was struggling with this because they clearly didn't recognize Jesus. Otherwise, from the beginning, it would have been a different experience. But they're like, it's a ghost, right? You know, this is like a Scooby-Doo moment, right? <laughs> Any of you grew up on Scooby-Doo? Can I say that from here? It's like a Scooby-Doo. Like, like here comes a thing. It's like on a crane. It's like, woo! and everybody's just running and the music's going and they're freaking out, right? And they're having this kind of moment. It's scary. It's legit. And then, And he doesn't recognize Jesus in this moment. But something changes. He hears God's voice. Now, he knows Jesus' voice. He's been sitting next to him. He's been rebuked by it. He's been taught by it. He's been encouraged by it. He's been challenged by it. He's been close to it. He spent time with it. And in the moment of this storm and in the moment of this fear, he recognizes something. He recognizes the voice of the Lord and it changes his circumstance. It changes everything. The moment he recognizes the voice of the Lord, it changes everything for him. And he goes from a place of fear to saying, God, if that's you, then tell me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus says, come. Verse 29. That's pretty amazing. I don't know about you. I was thinking about this. Peter is the only like 100% human with no like deity in his DNA who walked out onto water. That's pretty amazing. We're 2,000 plus years later talking about the only guy to do it. That's awesome. He says, come. It says then Peter got down out of the boat, he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. Now I want to I'm visual. Are you guys visual? I'm visual, right? So I want you to catch this. So, so this half of the room, I just want you, this is the boat, right? We got a good sized boat over here, right? We got this good sized boat. You guys are disciples. You're just chilling. You know, you're in the boat. Jesus is over this way. And, uh, and Jesus is like, hey, I want you to come. And Peter's like, I got this. He gets down out of the boat. Some of us just need to understand that sometimes it's going to take us some steps, but we can get down out of the circumstance we're in. If we want to get towards Jesus, once Jesus says we can do it, we can get out of the circumstance that we're in. And Peter says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out of this circumstance. And it gets out. And it says that he began to walk on the water and he's moving toward and the wind is blowing. Imagine these guys are like, you're crazy, you know, and he's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Right? His hands are probably out. Waves are crashing. I'm like a fish in there. You know, the water's cresting. The wind's going. It's the middle of the night. Jesus is over there. He's walking on the water. It's amazing. And then verse 30. But when he saw the wind, He was afraid. And he began to sink out, sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. He gets out this far, and all of a sudden it's like, and he's like, ah, do you realize I'm far enough from the boat that I'm in trouble, and I'm not to Jesus yet, and the winds are coming, and the storm is raging. This is a legitimate moment. Ah, all right, you're with me? You guys can see it in your head. All right, you guys, are, I'm visual, so I'm just trying to help you so those visual learners can kind of can walk with me on this, right? And it says, he began to sink, and then he cried out, Lord, save me. And I love this word again. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I want to pause the story right there because probably my whole young adult and adult life reading this story, I looked at this as the moment that Peter was almost brave, that Peter was almost there, right? He almost got there. But I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how in every good story, there's two perspectives to the story. And, and depending on what your kind of value system is or where you're coming from, you have a different perspective on the story. So here's an example. Um, some of you around here maybe are football fans. And let's just, let's just, let's just do a hypothetical. Let's say that it's somewhere in December and the 49ers are in town and they're playing the Seahawks and we're watching the game together and we're all wearing red. No, we're all watching the game together. And let's just say, you know, we're just it's my fantasy. So I get to share what I want to share. Right. Let's just say that the 49ers win that game. okay? And let's say you and I are talking afterwards. And we're having different perspectives. And I'm saying, we played a great game. It was awesome. Everything came together. I can't believe that I, we beat all expectations, and we defeated you guys, and it was awesome. And your perspective might be, well, our best receiver was hurt. Our guy wasn't there. We had, you know, there was a reason why. We got robbed by the refs. You know, you we're telling the same story, but you have a completely different perspective of the story than I have of the story, right? And so for, for as long as I can remember, I had one perspective on this story, and the perspective came from these guys. Over here in the boat, ha ha ha, you almost did it, (laughs) right? There's Peter, always got to be the one out in front, always got to do the dumb, you know, the silly thing, make the mistake. He got out there, but the wind came, Peter, and you thought you were cool, but you weren't cool. But thank goodness Jesus comes to our rescue even when we're not. That was my perspective of the story. Now, it says that they go over to, I think they're in Gethsemane right next. They, get, they land over there. So I can just envision them landing over there and telling the stories. And I can imagine these guys in the boat like, Peter, seriously, that was not the smartest thing you've ever done. You know, how could you do that? But can you imagine Peter's version of the story? I walked on water. I got out of the boat. You guys were in the boat. You guys were afraid. But you know where I was? I was sinking, but I was hand-to-hand with Jesus. At least I wasn't still in the boat. Hmm. Hmm. What a powerful picture of when courage gets intercepted by a storm. Where would you rather be? Would you rather be in the boat waiting to see what happens? Or would you rather be out on the water somewhere in the presence of Jesus? Now listen, sometimes, sometimes we get out of the boat because we're like, oh, let's just get out of the boat. That's foolish, right? If you see something out there, you're like, oh, it's a ghost. Let's go check it out, right? Nobody does that. He doesn't react that way. What he reacts to is the voice of God saying, you can come Out of that position of comfort. Come down out of the boat. Get out of your circumstance. Walk out onto the water. You can have courage. I am here. And if you are not spending time getting to know the voice of the Lord, you'll never have the courage to get out of the boat. If you're sitting at Starbucks and the voice of the Lord kicks in, says, man, I'm not sure that person knows me. What would it take for you to just start a conversation? Man, then you better get out of the boat. If you're in your neighborhood and you're mowing the lawn, come on now, and you're looking at your neighbors, like, oh, if they would just turn the sprinkler on once, the whole property value would go up, right? You're having that moment, come on, let's be real, right? And all of a sudden something triggers and says, you know what you should do? You should go over there and say hi and be neighborly to them. Do you know what could change? Do you know what could change? Now, sometimes we want to just jump out of the boat because we're tired of our circumstance. And then we just, you know, then we flop. Then these guys are right. Sorry, guys. guys. You're like, well, we just sat over here. Pastor Mike picked on us the whole time. But when you hear the voice of the Lord and you have courage and you get out of the boat there is nothing that is impossible for you. I My prayer is that 2,000 years from now, we're telling stories about the courage that was in this room, that made a difference in this community, that made a difference in your neighborhood, that made a difference in your family, that changed something in the heavenly, that we're celebrating in the heavenly and someone's coming up to you and saying, you know what? Matt served me. Matt was kind. Matt had compassion and then Matt won the right to share his story with me and it changed my life and I'm in heaven today because Matt had the guts to get out of the boat. He wasn't going to be held into that moment. He wasn't going to be afraid of the moment. He had the courage to do it. Church, that's how things start changing. That's how we begin to take territory from the enemy. That's how all of heaven breaks loose in the community. That's how families get transformed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would look like in your family if you said, you know what? I'm tired of just standing in the boat. I'm not, I'm not going to get out just for the sake of getting out, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to hear the voice of God in my life so that I can move with confidence. Now listen, the storms are still going to come. Peter didn't have it easy. And others are going to stand back and point and say, I can't believe you did that risky thing. And it may not make sense on paper, but I'll tell you what, sometimes we measure something out on paper and we call cowardice wisdom. Did you hear that? Sometimes we call cowardice wisdom. We look and say, it doesn't really make sense, so it's not wise. But you know what? If it's the voice of the Lord, it doesn't have to make sense in the natural. What God can do in the supernatural is bigger than that. It makes no sense for my family to move in the middle of whatever the season is, but that the voice of the Lord spoke, and now we're family. That's what matters in the kingdom doesn't have to add up. The numbers don't have to always add up. The, the, it doesn't if you rationalize it to a place and call that wisdom, but it's fear. My scriptures say, man, cowardice is a big deal. Man, what is it going to take? Because some of us were thinking about, "Oh, but what about all the what about all my shortcomings? What about all my mistakes? What about all my stuff?" I love that it's Peter that gets out of the boat. That guy could not have been more full of shortcomings, but you know what he wasn't short on? He wasn't short on how to hear from God and obey. I want that story. I don't want this story of Haha, Did you see that crazy guy? That was insane. He fell and he failed. I want this story of, you know what? I fell in the presence of God and he carried me and all of my hope is in him. All of my hope. All of our hope is in Him. Where's your hope? Where's your faith? Hebrews 11, 6 tells us about faith. It's impossible to please God. Faith and courage lead to action. Get us out of the boat. Some of you, just the courage. All right. I haven't been here very long, so I I'd have no fear of hurting your feelings because you know this isn't personal. But if you feel this, then just let the Lord do his thing, right? But I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? For some of you, we're having a hard time getting people into certain roles in the church, whether it's kids' ministry, helping out in youth ministry, serving in hospitality. And if you had the courage to get out of the boat because you've heard God's voice, we would have more worship people than we could schedule, we would have more because the talent and the gift and the anointing in you. And it's time for the courage to match the potential to step out of the boat, to do something for the kingdom that matters, that makes a difference. Right? I have a little, a little grace period where I can say that because there's no faces to names. And eventually I'll have to rein that in a little bit. But if you feel that, go ahead and feel that, right? For some of you, it may look as, as, as radical and ridiculous as you say, you know what, I may have to shift jobs because my job doesn't let me do my calling. And my job has given me some security, but I may have to leave that security and move to a place where I can be in my calling and trust that Jesus is going to do the thing. Ooh, got quiet in here for a second, right? For some of you, it may just be hey, I have to give, whether it's my gifts, my time, my resources, to the level of my faith, and I haven't been able to do that yet because I'm in the boat in a storm and there's pressure. Where are we going to go? Are we going to have courage? Are we going to move towards Jesus? Are we willing to take that step? That's how things change in the natural. And that's what brings supernatural here to earth. When we do that, when we're willing to do that, when we trust the Spirit, when we trust the voice of God, and when we move forward. So here's my question I got lots of questions. Oh my gosh, I'm all over the place. It's 11.15, so I'm going to be respectful. I'm just going to say this. There's probably some storms that you can see out there that are legitimate reasons to not get out of the boat. What if? We did this last week. What if we got out of the boat? What if we had that kind of courage? What if the legacy and the testimony you left, my boy was in here earlier. He's gone now so I can talk about him. There's a certain legacy as a father, as a man I want to leave, right? I want to know he's okay, that he doesn't have like, you know... That he has enough uh, a home that's safe, that he feels that I, I provided for him, that he's got toys that's the level of his friends. You know what I mean? I want, I want all those things for him just as a man. But here's what I really want for him. I want him to be able to say that he grew up and that his father heard from God and believed he could do anything and regardless of if it made sense on paper, stepped out of the boat and had the courage to do that. That's the legacy I want to leave in my family. What's the legacy you're going to leave in your family? That's the legacy I want to leave with my neighbors. I don't want to be in the truck, driving up in traffic thinking, where was my guts? Where were they? You know the regrets I have in life? They're not any of the things I left behind to go forward. It's the people I didn't have the courage to break out of whatever my own circumstance was, to share the truth of God's love with them plainly. Not because I'm eloquent at it, not because I'm gifted at it, but because I care. And just let that be on display. I don't want those kind of regrets when I get to heaven. I don't want that. What are the storms keeping you from stepping out in faith to do what God's called you to do? Next week, we're going to get practical because I've been like all over the place. Like, oh, crazy. We're going to get real practical. So, so, so we're going to talk about how do we, what's just like one, what's the, what's the first thing we can do? How do we do that? Yeah, and we're just kind of going to go on this journey together. If I haven't scared you away too much, uh, please come back, and we're, we're going to walk through that. I want to walk through that with you guys. And here's just what I believe. I wouldn't be careful. I would do whatever God called me to do, period. But I don't know if I would have had the courage to get out of that boat if I didn't believe that God was going to do something amazing right here. If I didn't believe that the the foundation had been laid, that the ground had been tilled, that the seed had been sown, and that God was about to bring a harvest in this community like we've never seen, I want, I'm so looking forward to once I live here being in town and hearing people say stories about the way that people from Celebration Center affected their life. That the stories of the way we served, and the way we loved, and the way we shared, and the way we impacted our our community, that, those, I'm I'm jealous for those stories. I'm ready for that. I believe it. But it's going to happen because we're courageous. It's going to happen because we get out of the boat, and we're going to hit some storms, and people are going to say, what are you thinking? And we're going to say, I don't know, I'm falling, but Jesus. And that's what's going to get us there. That's what's going to make the difference. So, next week we'll be practical. Some of you are like, oh, how do I do it? I we're going to start. We're going to start on that journey. Next week we'll be practical. We'll talk about that. But we'll get there. You guys all right? All right, let's talk to Jesus. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for being faithful in the storms. I was, man, I could just break down how many different storms we face. Some, some of them we face as a community, but really a lot of them we face alone and no one knows. Some of them are physical, some of them are financial, some of them are emotional, some of them are internal, some of them are external. But in the midst of every single one of those storms, the confidence and the courage that we have is that we can hear your voice and move in your direction. And though the storms may buffet, though fear may creep in, we will fail moving towards you because we're stronger in our weakness when our dependence is on you, than we could ever be on our own. I pray for the guts. I pray for the courage that your word almost demands us to have. Fill us with that courage to step out and do what you've designed us to do, to be followers, ambassadors of you here and everywhere we go. We love you. We're humbled. We're so grateful. I pray, God, that you would rattle our cages. Prepare us for what you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen.